This sermon is titled Healing After Abuse or Trauma Part 2 Be enriched as you listen Alright, so two Sundays ago we began uh, a sermon series uh, talking about healing after abuse and trauma that is uh, this is a real thing that many people go through in life and uh, how do we address this from a biblical perspective so in part one of this sermon series healing after abuse or trauma <coughs> sorry we we laid out the the challenge the reality of the problem uh, it's not something we should pretend it doesn't exist i just want to quickly review and then move forward uh, today to talk about the pathway to healing wholeness and abundant life that's what we'll talk about today a pathway a biblical and a practical pathway to healing wholeness and abundant life but let's just quickly review some of the points that we, we mentioned you know god desires for all of us to be whole emotionally he wants us to be whole spirit soul and body part of that has to do with our emotions he wants us, he wants us to be whole emotionally he wants us to prosper in all things even as our soul prospers but the reality is in life we tend to hurt each other uh, we, are, we might find ourselves in situations maybe at home maybe in the workplace maybe in some other context where the relationships are actually hurting us hurting us emotionally hurting us in other ways and so we have to recognize that uh, there, there can be people around us we call them we're referring we've been referring to them as abusers who hurt us by the way they speak to us or treat us uh, and um, you know how do we respond to that so abuse can come in many forms as we said earlier it can be spiritual it can be emotional it can be verbal physical or social mistreatment now some of you who study church history will know and and, and I like to look at church history there's a lot we can learn uh, uh, but the church has gone through seasons where there has been widespread spiritual abuse. And some of you may not know about the shepherding movement that actually took place. Uh, it wasn't something new, but it, it, it had prominence in the 1980s, 1990s. You know, uh, it spread globally. And uh, everybody, ha you know, the, the, the teaching was that you had to have somebody over you. Uh, but that teaching was taken to such an extent where the person over you needed to know everything about you. And that, that, that happened at the shepherding movement and churches all across the world. And I know of churches even in India that this happened and, and people in the church were abused. Uh, because that whole thing, that whole teaching led to a lot of control and control on people. And that, whenever there is control, that is not right. God has created each one of us to be free. And so that, that movement, which was in the church, hurt a lot of people. So there is spiritual abuse as well. When, when good things are misapplied, it can result in the hurting of a lot of people. And so the, you know, those, those people who, um, who were proponents of that teaching had to publicly withdraw, and they did. But by that time, it was too late. Hurt and damage had happened globally through that shepherding movement. Just one example, but there are several other examples of how of spiritual abuse. So like that, there is emotional, verbal, physical abuse. Abuse harms the person. And really, abuse violates an individual's identity. 
It, individ it violates an individual's dignity and it, vi um, it violates their sense of security. So when people are abused, they begin to wonder, you know, who am I really? Uh, what am I really worth? Does anyone really care for me? What we did mention in part one, I'm still reviewing, is that there is a difference from abuse and accountability. Right? Uh, so if your manager holds you accountable, don't say he's abusing me. He's not. Uh, he's just holding you responsible. Right? So there is accountability in every situation. Uh, there is responsibility that, uh, you know, that we all have. And so don't misinterpret that as abuse. Abuse is when harm is being done to you in some way. We also mentioned about trauma, the emotional effect of something catastrophic, something unexpected that, that hurts you and it, it, it causes emotional pain, and, and we refer to that as trauma. So we addressed the whole issue uh, last uh, two Sundays ago in, the, in part one of the sermon, and we mentioned you know, the, the Word of God, that there is hope for people who've, who've experienced or who are experiencing abuse or, or trauma. There is hope and there is healing that God can bring to us. We left part one, or we came to the end of part one, where we mentioned, uh, we just proposed initial steps. One is to recognize if you're being abused, recognize that, to face up to that fact. Don't just remain there, because that will only continue or worsen your situation. Recognize, I am being hurt, and I need to face up to it. Uh, just doing that itself is a big step for many people. And then if possible, move to a place of safety. That's where we pause in part one. So let's pick up now to talk about how a pathway, a biblical and a practical pathway to healing, wholeness, and abundant life. Are you all with me so far? All right. So let's begin with John chapter 10, verse 10. What did Jesus say in John 10, verse 10? He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life, and life in abundance. Right? So in this world, yes, we will experience a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is th these negative things that are happening that are destroying our lives. But Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance. And so you and I can enter in to that abundant life that God wants us to have. And uh, you know, we can walk in the fullness of life that God gives to us. And so today, we're going to share some of these things. You see, now, as we begin to talk about healing, keep in mind a few things. One, that each one's journey into healing, wholeness, and abundant life can vary. So your, the journey that God will take you through may be very different from the journey somebody else is going to go through. Are you all with me? So don't compare yourself and say, well, you know, see what's happening to that person and see what's happening to that person. Well, each one's journey is unique, is different. God will lead you as a shepherd leads his sheep. He will lead you. He will bring you to your place of wholeness. But the journey he takes you through may be very different. So don't compare yourself with somebody else who's probably, you know, who's making their journey. Now, in some cases, some people experience and testify to a miraculous healing, right? Even in their emotional space. So uh, they may have gone through a lot of trauma and abuse, carrying a lot of pain. Uh, they may walk into a service and, 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 and God may move powerfully by His presence, by His Spirit, 
and they experience complete healing. You know, we, just like they can be instant healing physically, they can be instant healing emotionally. That is, in an instant, in a moment of time, people are released from the pain, their memories are healed, uh, they just feel brand new, uh, and, and, and that is wonderful when those kinds of things happen. So we have to be open for it because God can do that. Amen? And most often it happens in His presence as people are praising and worshiping God that there is healing, that, that that kind of supernatural healing of emotions takes place. But on the other hand, many also journey into wholeness, meaning healing comes as a process. It happens over time. It happens through the help of people who journey with them. And that is also God at work. Amen? So let's not exclude that. And uh, that happens more often, uh, most often, that we help people into a place of wholeness. And uh, when I see God do that, and I see how you know, lives have changed and have journeyed, a person journeyed with some people and see you know, where they were when they came and where they are today, you, you see how wonderful God works. Amen? So God takes people through that journey. But that journey is not easy. There is pain even in the healing process. And so I want us to want to be aware of that as you maybe you, may you, God wants to, you may be working with somebody or a few people as they are making their journey uh, to wholeness. And there is pain even in that process. There could be struggles uh, emotionally. There's painful when thoughts and memories of the abuse comes back. There could be struggle with one's own self as they rediscover who they are, their own identity, their own worth. Uh, there, there are struggles uh, in relating to the world. How do I establish healthy relationships? Whom can I trust? Whom should I you know, stay away from? So there are struggles that people go through in this process of reaching a place of healing and wholeness. There could be grief. Uh, as people make their journey towards wholeness, they could be, you know, the up and down swinging of emotions. Someday they feel on top of the world. Some other days they're at the bottom and you get the call, you get the email, you get the messages saying, help me. Um, they're going up and down. They, they, it, but they are making uh, uh, their journey uh, towards wholeness and they will eventually gradually come to that place of strength. Every day seems like a it seems like a day-to-day -day battle for survival, but they are taking steps towards a place of wholeness. Are you with me? So there, while we believe in the supernatural healing, while we believe that God can heal powerfully in an instant, most often it's a process uh, to this place of wholeness. Now today, very quickly, I want to share with you these seven biblical and practical steps towards healing, wholeness, and abundant life. I'm going to go through it very quickly. Now, when you are working with somebody or when a counselor or a pastor is working with you, they don't do it so fast. Okay? This is just for the sermon. I'm just going to go through very quickly. But this is something that happens over time. They work with you. They, they help you develop in each of these areas. But I'm just giving it to us as an outline. And then maybe you can take it and apply it to yourself or work with your counselor, work with your therapist, or work with your pastor and, and, and journey through these things. Well, and as I share this with you, I just want to keep, keep this 
want you to keep this in mind that these seven steps are you know something that you constantly repeat it's cyclic in nature you constantly do this over and over and over again until you reach that place of wholeness it's not like okay i do it once and no it's something you do over and over again but as you practice these they're going to bring you to a place of wholeness number one we're going to keep it very simple and i'll move through this very quickly number one is to anchor in god so as you begin your journey to a place of wholeness, healing wholeness and abundant life, after having experienced some sort of trauma, experienced some abuse, maybe from somebody you loved, how do you journey there? Number one, they first anchor yourself by faith in God and what He can do for you. In Psalm 131, verses 1, 2, and 3, the psalmist said, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So learning to abandon yourself like a child in the arms of, the, of its mother, as a weaned child, just, you know, fully satisfied, that's where the child is fully satisfied. That's where the child is fully safe and secure and resting in the arms of its mother. In the same way, you and I anchor ourselves in God. Are you with me? So that's where we must begin. And as you and I anchor ourselves in God, remember that God is the God who will bring healing. Healing has been provided for. The cross has made provision for your wholeness. That is certain. You don't have to doubt that. That God is a God who restores our soul. That is sure. God will restore our soul. And so you anchor yourself in that place. And then... Don't lose hope. Keep hope alive. Don't let hope be crushed. But hope in God. Because He will help you. The psalmist said in Psalm 42, you know, Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Let's all say that. Hope in God. Right? That means I can hope in God and I can hope because of God. I can have a positive expectation. What is hope? It is a positive expectation. You're expecting something good. You're expecting something positive. That is hope. And the reason you can have a positive expectation is because of God. Hope in God or hope because of God. He says, don't be cast down. Don't be discouraged. Have a positive expectation because of God. Hope in God because He's the help of my countenance. You know, the Bible talks about hope as the anchor for our soul. So just like an anchor for a ship steadies it in the middle of a storm, having a positive expectation because of God, that hope because of God is an anchor for your soul. It'll steady you in the storm the stormy situation that you have to journey through. And the Bible says that our hope actually reaches into the very presence of God. 
And I'm quoting this from Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. In verse 19, he says, this hope we have as an anchor for the soul. And then it says in verse 19, which enters the presence behind the veil. Two things about hope. Hope is an anchor. It's something that, you know, goes right down and stabilizes you. Hope is something that reaches into the heavens, into the very presence of God, where Jesus Christ is. You see what hope does? Those who saw it say amen. <laughs> hope anchors. Hope connects. It reaches behind the veil to where Jesus Christ is. So how important hope is. It stabilizes you. And it also secures you by going behind the veil. Connecting you to Jesus Christ. So keep this positive expectation alive. Have that before you. So anchor yourself in God. Number two, boldly let go. Everybody say, boldly let go. See, if you and I are going to move into a place of healing, there are times we need to let go. Let go and do it boldly. Don't be ashamed. Don't let shame and guilt tether you to your past. Don't let shame and guilt chain you to your past. Sometimes people are chained to their past just by shame and guilt. Don't let that happen. They feel ashamed to let go or they feel guilty about letting go. That's why I said boldly let go. In Nehemiah, a very interesting scenario you know, after the people come out of captivity, they come back into Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is reading the scriptures. The people are listening to the word of God being read. And there's such a strange reaction. They start crying. And we don't know why they start crying. Maybe they're feeling bad that they didn't keep God's word. Maybe, uh, whatever the reasons are, they start crying. And Nehemiah says, don't sorrow, but have joy. Be joyful. Meaning, see, there's no point in being sorrowful about the past. Be joyful of what God is going to do. And then he, that's when he affirms to them saying, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So there are times you have to choose not to sorrow, but choose to be joyful. Because the joy of the Lord is what is going to strengthen you for the road ahead. So you choose joy. Tell your neighbor, choose joy. And one of the key things in journeying towards wholeness is choosing joy. The, the pain, the sorrow, the grief, the, all of the things of the past will keep on coming, keep on coming back. But then you say, I'm choosing joy. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. So let go of the pain and negative emotions. So do things that are joyful, fun-filled, peaceful, relaxing, loving, caring. Uh, replace those negative thoughts and emotions with things that are positive. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how to do that. And in some cases, if it's a marriage situation, and, you know, of course, we believe in the sanctity and the sacredness of marriage, like we explained last time. But it takes two people to make a marriage work. And if someone is dishonoring the marriage, their dishonoring of the marriage 
does not mean that the other person stays bound for the rest of their lives. Two people should be willing to honor the marriage covenant in order to make it work. And so in some cases we've seen that the best thing is to let go, to annul the marriage covenant simply because one of them is unwilling to honor that marriage covenant. There is evil, there is violence, there's desertion, and you cannot just stay there waiting for something to happen. And so in a situation like that, if you have to let go, let go. And, and, and I, I can share with you many examples of things that have happened, but people had to let go and move on, and God blessed their journey forward. Now, sadly, some victims, they feel they want to go back to the abuser. That's a sad thing, but a real thing. Because they feel that they can't do life on their own. The abuser has made them so dependent. Maybe they miss the relationship. Maybe they feel lonely. Maybe they feel they're unable to make decisions on their own. And they're worse so dependent on the abuser. Maybe it's financial needs that may compel them to go back. So this is where courage is required. You need to boldly let go. Are you with me? Okay. So as you do this, you set boundaries for yourself, you know, just practical things. You set boundaries for yourself, no contact on social media or, you know, messaging and things like that. Be firm in your decision. And remember, there are times you need to forget what is behind in order to reach forward to what lies ahead. You can't keep driving forward looking in the rearview mirror. You're going to crash sometime. You've got to look ahead if you want to keep moving forward. You've got to run your race looking forward. You don't run your race with your head turned back. Number three, courageously forgive. Now, this is not easy. But you and I, as believers, are called by God to forgive. Forgiveness, extending forgiveness does not mean the abuse never happened. But extending forgiveness means that you're refusing to be a victim to the hurt and anger and hate to what hurt and anger and hate can cause to you. Because when you don't forgive, it's like the knife is turned to you once again. The hate, the unforgiveness, the resentment, the bitterness is only hurting you, not the abuser. Are you listening? So forgiveness is actually releasing yourself so that bitterness, resentment, hate, and anger can no longer destroy you. Now, if, depending on the situation, you have to recall or retell whatever has happened, you do it not because of revenge. So when you forgive, you're also giving up the right for retaliation. You're also giving up the right for revenge. Are you listening? Forgiveness with the intent for revenge means forgiveness has never taken place. So when you forgive... You're saying, I will not take retaliate. But that does not mean 
that if a situation requires where, where the abuser has to be held responsible and so they want to, you to speak up, you speak up not in order for revenge, but in order for the abuser to be held responsible and accountable. Because that person has to be held, otherwise they will continue hurting other people. Are you listening? The Bible calls us to forgive. And it may not be easy. You may need to pray and say, God, help me to forgive. Because the pain is real. What happened is real. We're not denying it. But God can bring us to a place where we can release forgiveness. Because the Bible tells us, be merciful. Luke 6.31, be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. The Bible tells us to forgive even as God forgave us. See, that's the standard. Forgive even as God forgave. That's the standard. And so you say, God, you've forgiven me everything, so I need to forgive. Help me to forgive. And God will bring us to that place where forgiveness is possible. But remember, when you forgive, you are releasing yourself from more harm and pain that anger, bitterness, and resentment brings to us. Number four, determined to build your life your inner person, you build yourself emotionally, build yourself physically. So Jesus taught us in you know, Mark 12, 31, he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So let's say this together. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Let's say it again. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The reason many of us are unable to love our neighbors is because we don't love ourselves. You don't really love yourself. So the ability to love our neighbor, there's a connection to you loving yourself. Now I'm not saying love yourself in a narcissist, narcissistic way, where a very selfish way, a self-centered way. But I'm talking about loving yourself in an God-honoring way. You love yourself because you are a vessel of God. You're created in the image of God. You're valuable to God. Are you listening? So as you determine to build your life up, that's what you're doing. You're just loving yourself. So that means you attend to your own needs. Instead of being filled with regret and negative thoughts, love yourself. Take care of yourself. Take time to do things you enjoy. Take time to rest, to exercise, to engage in some creative activity, like maybe music or writing or whatever that you enjoy doing. You create. So doing these practical things, taking time for yourself, is helping rebuild yourself. Are you with me? And many of us don't do that. We feel guilty. No, take time to do it. Because only when you love yourself, can you truly love your neighbor? Because you know what it means to love and be loved. Similarly, spiritually, take time to build yourself up. Meditate in God's word. Pray in tongues. Worship. These spiritual disciplines build your inner person. As you journey to a place of wholeness. Number five, embrace God's truth. One of the things abusers do is speak lies. 
They bombard you with lies. So you need to reject the lies that were spoken to you or about you. Reject it. Brick by brick. Tear it down. There's a the modern, modern day, these terms you hear about gaslighting. So what is that? When the abusive person changes the facts of the conversation and whatever happened, and he completely discredits you. So he gaslights the whole thing. You don't know what really happened. You're confused. Or they turn on a smear campaign when they tell everybody else a different story. And by the time you can speak up, a different story has gone around. So now what you say is questionable. And so these things happen. But you need to hold on to God's word and know that your identity is in Christ. And who you are in Christ is who you really are. Amen. So don't let the words of your abuser dictate your present or your future. Let the word of God dictate your present and your future. So you speak God's word and invite the Holy Spirit to bring healing to your problems, problem areas. Now here's just some example. Suppose you're struggling with self-blame and shame. Then you declare that you are accepted in the beloved, that you are loved by God and you're righteous in his eyes through Jesus Christ. If you're having feelings of self-hate and low esteem, then you declare that you are God's purchased possession. Your value and worth is seen on the cross when God gave his son Jesus Christ for you. If there is confusion, you declare that instead of confusion, you'll have clarity and peace and joy. That your God is not the author of confusion, but of, of, of peace. And that God leads you and his light shines upon your path and makes your path brighter and brighter. If there are panic attacks and anxiety, you declare that God keeps you in perfect peace because your mind is stayed on him. If there is fear of people and relationships, you declare that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If there are suicidal thoughts, you declare that life is worth the living, that your times are in his hands, that your life is filled with God-given purpose, that God knows the plans he has for you, plans of prosperity, and to give you a hope and a future. If it is flashbacks of sexual and physical violence declare that God heals and restores your soul that God heals your memories and releases your memories from these painful thoughts and imaginations that your mind is holy ground it is now consecrated to God and thoughts that are loving and peaceful and virtuous are only have the right to be in your mind so you declare God's word if it, you've been pushed into substance abuse, you declare that your body is God's temple, that your body is God's property, and no addiction, no addictive pattern will control you. Sin will not have dominion over you. Are you with me? So, embrace God's truth and speak that truth over your life. The speaking of God's word is so powerful. God said his word is medicine to our whole being. Amen. So you speak God's word. And it will negate these negative thoughts and emotions. And instead build up a sense of positivity. A sense of positive, faith-filled, confident inner person in you. So speak God's word. Last two. Number six. Frame new pictures. 
Paint new pictures on the canvas of your imagination. Frame new mental pictures of yourself, your present, and your future. A great example is this of Joseph. Think about the trauma that Joseph would have gone through. First being insulted by his own brothers at home. Then being sold as a slave to a foreign land. Ending up as a servant, as a slave in somebody's house. And there being falsely accused and thrown into prison. I mean, if that would, that would not have been traumatic for that young man. He didn't have a cell phone to call home. Nothing. Just con- disconnected from his world. And yet, as you see God work through his life, you, you, you get a little insight of what's happening in his mind. In Genesis 41, verses 51 and 52, when you know, Joseph is now prime minister, he's married, he has two children. His firstborn he calls Manasseh, saying, God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. His second one he calls Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So he's painting new pictures. The names he's giving are descriptive of what's happening inside him. That in my place of pain, God is causing me to forget all the pain. In the same place where I was afflicted, God is causing me to be fruitful. New pictures are being painted. Are you with me? So you need to paint new pictures. On the canvas of your mind. That's what the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5. It says, cast down imaginations. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So when there are these wrong imaginations, hurtful, painful pictures coming up, you choose to deliberately paint good pictures. That instead of ashes, you see yourself in beauty. Instead of shame, you see yourself in honor. Instead of confusion, you see yourself in, in a place of peace and blessing. Paint those pictures. God designed our imagination, so it's not wrong to use it. Just use it properly. Are you with me? And lastly, get help. Number seven, get help. You know, we need each other. The Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens in Galatians 6 verse 2. The Bible tells us that we are the body, and if one member suffers, everyone suffers with it. So we need help. We need somebody to lean on. And this is where you can go to your pastor, go to your counselor, go to your therapist. And the reason I put this at number seven is because the counselor cannot do this for you. You've got to practice one through six. The counselor can coach you, can help you, but ultimately... You have to make the journey. But it's good to get help. Are you with me? Go to somebody who can help you. Who can journey with you and encourage you. Give you some practical ways to apply these six things we talked about. And, 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 and strengthen you as you make this journey. Worship team, please come. Before we close, just a a word to the abuser. That means if you are sitting here or you're watching online and 
you realize that you're on the other side of this equation. That you're the one causing pain to somebody. That you're the one hurting somebody, causing harm. While we have been focusing on those who have been abused. But if you recognize that you are doing this to somebody, you also need help. And just very quickly, I want to say this, that, you know, recognize the harmful effects of your behavior. If you're the one speaking those words that are tearing up your spouse or tearing up your children, or maybe in the workplace, you are destroying your, you know, your direct reports, your team members with your words. If you are the abuser, the first step is to recognize, hey, I'm destroying people around me. I'm hurting them. And understand, secondly, understand the root cause of that kind of behavior. Why are you doing this? Now, this is where somebody can help you. But if you can take time to examine yourself, why am I behaving like this? Could be anger. It's a misplaced anger. You're angry about something, but you're taking it on your spouse. You're angry about something else, but you're taking it out in your workplace. It could be misplaced anger. It could be issues you're carrying with. Maybe you went through abuse and that has never healed in your life. And so now hurting people hurt others. And so you're taking it out on somebody else or some other people. But you need to recognize what are those causes? Why am I behaving like this? Be willing to change. Remember that all permanent change comes from within. Nobody can slap it on you. Nobody can force it on you. They can send you to rehab. You'll go in and you'll come out if you're not willing to change on the inside. Because all permanent change comes from within. It can't be forced on you. So until you decide that you need to change, nobody can make you change. Even God can't. He won't force it on you. He needs your willingness. He needs you to repent, meaning to say, God, I have been behaving in an incorrect way. I've been hurting people, damaging people. I need to change. I'm willing to change. If you come to God with that attitude, He will help bring about that change from inside out. And that's permanent change. So, I'll just quickly review these seven steps. Something that we have to work on constantly. Number one, anchor yourself in God. Number two, boldly let go. Number three, courageously forgive. Number four, determine to build. Number five, embrace God's truth about yourself, about your present, about your future. Number six, frame new pictures on the canvas of your imagination using God's word and his promises. Number seven, get help. God has created us and placed us in families, in communities, in churches because we're intended, designed to journey together, not in isolation. So get help. Amen? We're going to take some time to pray. I want to call our life group leaders and pastors to please come and stand here in front. Uh, life group leaders, today's your day. You're going to be serving. Come forward. Pastors, please come. Uh, I know our pastors are all in
different locations, but anyone here, um, just come and stand here. And we're going to pray. And I want you to come and just receive prayer from people, from our leaders here. I said, come on, Sam, come on. Others. Ah, uh, Sanjay, come. Others. Anybody else? Our life group leaders, pastors. Come, come, come. Joy, Sangeeta, others. Come and stand here. Roshan's here. Okay. So they're just going to pray with you. And you can just come to any one of them, be prayed for. And just say, God, today, I need help. Maybe you've gone through trauma. Maybe you've gone through abuse. Or maybe you need help to change as a person. You realize that you've been hurting somebody in your life. And you need help. Just come and receive prayer. and You begin this journey towards healing and wholeness. And let the Holy Spirit Turn mourning into dancing. Let the Holy Spirit bring beauty for our ashes. Just come. Feel free. And if there's anything else that you want them to pray for, healing, physical healing, while the focus of the message today has been towards emotional healing, if there's physical healing that you need, you, might as well, you can also come. They'll just pray for you, minister to you. Let's rise to our feet. I'm just going to pray and then as the worship team sings, feel free to come forward and just let them pray with you. Take a moment to pray. Just receive prayer. Father, we just come before you this morning, God. Those who have been hurt, those who are going through pain in their lives, We invite, oh Lord, by your spirit, we invite you to touch and heal, Father. Today, before they leave this place, may they experience your touch. May they experience your healing flowing into their lives. God, you created our soul. And so you know how to fix it. You know how to make it whole. You can reach, Lord, into the depths of our soul where no psychologist or psychiatrist can reach. You alone can touch our memories and remove the pain. Only you can do that, God. And so today, as we stand in your presence, as we pray for one another, we ask that the Holy Spirit will touch people so that when they leave, they know that a burden has been lifted. Something painful has been removed and healing 
is beginning to take place. You restore our soul. You are the shepherd. Father, for those who are online, and even as they look to you wherever they are, in their homes or wherever, as they pray, may they experience your touch, Lord. Your healing for their mind, their emotions, wherever they have been hurt, abused. Let them experience healing. We're going to take a few moments to sing. And during that time, just feel free to come and receive prayer. Your name is healing Your name 
the benediction but we'll be available here to continue to pray so if you need prayer we will be here we'll continue to pray uh, we'll announce the benediction so those who need to leave you can leave uh, just two quick reminders next Sunday we are meeting at the Wings Baldwin Auditorium it's on Hosu Road in Baldwin Boys High School so please make your way there same timing and uh, we're starting a new series on faith and science. We just want to encourage you to invite as many people as you can. Uh, you will be getting notifications. So the invites will come by graphics. Uh, the graphics will come by WhatsApp and email. So you can pass that on to people. Uh, we'll have printed invites next week. So you could use that as well. But let's use this entire sermon series, Faith and Science as a way to reach out to many people in our city. Is that okay? Right, so let's, let's close in prayer. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes and books, please visit apcw4.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.